All right, Wade. Oh, hey, we're live. We're hot. We can get started. Good afternoon, everybody. You guys having a good conference so far? Day one? Okay, when I, oh, oh, I heard something. I heard something. I don't know if Australians interact or not, so I'll have to try this. Uh, so anyway, my name is Nick Molnar. I am a web developer. I work for Microsoft. Um, and today we're going to talk about one of my favorite performance testing tools called Web Page Test. So a little bit of background about me. Um, about six years ago now, I started an open source project with my buddy Anthony called Glimpse. Can I get a show of hands how many people have seen or heard of Glimpse before? Okay, a couple of you, great. Uh, if you want to see what we're doing new with Glimpse, uh, Anthony, the guy I started the project with, is giving a session about it in the next time slot in room three. So uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, but for those of you unfamiliar, Glimpse is a diagnostics tool for ASP.NET websites. And it does a whole bunch of different things, but one of the primary use cases why developers uh, like Glimpse and use Glimpse is to help them with their web application performance. And so what, what that really means is for the last six years, I've been kind of enthralled into the world of web performance. And I've studied it, and I've put a lot of uh, course material together around it, and I've done audits of companies' websites and, and helped them. And so this is a tool that time and time again has come to my aid. And so I thought maybe I should put together uh, a session around it. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. That was the coolest animation you're going to see all day, and then it's done. Um, so what we'll cover really quickly is just what is web page test. I'll go into a little bit about its guts and how it works. And then we'll do like the basic how to get up and running and dive into some more advanced uh, usage scenarios. Now, just kind of whet your appetite. Uh, I'm playing a video here for you from the Etsy offices in New York City. And Etsy is a website who is very performance driven. So these videos were created using the web page test API. We're going to be looking at that a little bit later. But one of the things that really kind of like tugged at my heartstrings as a performance nerd with this is I've worked for all of these companies where you go into the main lobby, right? And there's, there's a clock that says New York, and one that says London, and one that says Singapore. And like, I don't talk to any of those places, but I'm glad I know what time it is there. I think it would be much more valuable to me as a developer to replace those clocks with a wall that looks like this. So I can see how my site is performing in all of those locations. Or how about instead of locations, right? Right now, this says New York, California, Germany, and Australia. What if it said 2G, 3G, cable, you know, uh, Google Fiber, right? Like, what does my site look like on these different uh, usage profiles? And so that's one of the things that I think is uh, really cool about web page test is it allows you to get really, really rich information about how your page is loading and gives you the tools you need to present that data back to potentially non-technical stakeholders uh, or, or managers. And so we'll figure out how to do this. I just want to whet your appetite a little bit for some of the things that web page tests can do. So when we stop to think about web page test, we have to think about what role it plays in the, in the world of performance testing. And when we think about performance testing, there's basically uh, two techniques that are used. The first is real user monitoring, which is also called uh, RUM. The, the initials are RUM. And then the second is synthetic testing. So web page test is synthetic testing. That's really all we're going to talk about in this session. But I think it's really important to know that if all you're doing is synthetic testing, you might have a bit of a problem. So, what real user monitoring does is it kind of just admits the challenge that we have. And the challenge that we have is we have users who are all over the world using all different devices, all different operating systems, all different browsers, all different connection speeds. And 
there's no way that we can generate enough performance tests to actually uh, test their usage profile, right? So like, what RUM does is says, well, instead of you, the developer, trying to test all of those different configurations, even if you went and used something like browser stack, you couldn't test all those configurations, let's flip the whole problem on its head and do something we would never normally do. Let's let the end user do the testing for us and let them tell us whether or not the site is fast or not for them, right? So the guy on a camel in Egypt using Windows Phone, I, th I think maybe that's where Windows Phone gets used, I think maybe. Um, that guy will tell us whether or not our site is fast. Uh, so that's great. Uh, but the problem is then you're waiting around for that guy, and so we can use synthetic testing tools to, um, to fudge some of the numbers, right? To try to approximate. Now, you're never going to approximate, right? There are problems on the internet that you're never going to be able to approximate. Like this one right here. This is the fiber optic cable running out on the transatlantic line. Sharks attack it all the time for some reason. When the transatlantic link goes down 99% of the time, it's because of these real shark attacks. Uh, and so even if we're doing synthetic testing, there's no synthetic test in the world that has a checkbox that says, add the shark attack option, right? Like that doesn't happen. Or pop some popcorn and screw up people's Wi-Fi. That's not an option. So you're never getting real usage data unless you use RUM. But the benefit of synthetic testing even though it's not real, is that because it uses really highly instrumented computers or highly instrumented browsers, you get much richer data. The guy in the camel in Egypt will tell me, this is how fast the page loaded. Web page tests and synthetic testing tools will tell me, well, this is how fast it loaded, and here's why it loaded this way, and now you can go and figure out how to make your page faster because you know why it loaded the way that it did. Um, so a quick history of web page tests. Web page tests is an open source tool. You can find it up on GitHub. It was started in 2005 at AOL during the heydays of, of dial-up modems when performance was really a big concern because bandwidth was so low. Uh, it was open source in 2008 under a BSD license. The lead developer was hired by Google in 2010, and so now he kind of gets to work, quote unquote, full time on web page tests, making it better. He also works on the Chrome team, and so he kind of has this yin-yang thing where he sees all the performance tests that people are doing on web page tests, figures out where there's general slow spots in Chrome, and then goes and fix Chrome to make it faster. So he's got tons of input coming in. So he moved the source to GitHub in, in 2011. And so the, the link to the source code is provided at the end of the session. I have links and documentation for all of this uh, for you guys at the end, so you don't have to worry about jotting down any notes. Now, I like web page tests a lot, and I'll say a lot of good things about it, but I want to be real honest with you guys, and there are, there are some flaws. Its biggest flaw is it's ugly. It's ugly as sin. And so it, you'll, you'll look at it, and it's just like checkboxes everywhere and settings that don't necessarily make sense. And once you kind of like get past its ugly interior and see its heart that's trying to help you, uh, then it could be okay. But I'm going to try to walk you through some of that. So let me go ahead and, and, and show you uh, what web page test looks like. Now, I needed to come up with some kind of a demo application to show off web page tests. So I have a site that we're going to test. Now, I'm an American. I'm American through and through. I live in the great state of Texas, which probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you Australians. Uh, but uh, basically, that means I like meat and I like baseball. I'm in Australia. Do I have any other fellow baseball fans in the room? The one American guy in the back is pitying me. I know for a fact that he doesn't care about baseball. OK, well, that's a bit of a problem, because I really wanted to do a demo site about baseball. So I was kind of thinking to myself, what could I do 
to get a room full of fellow nerds interested about baseball, Australian nerds at that, and like, it shouldn't be pandering to your geeky sentiment, but if there was just something I could do to get you to like baseball a little bit more, what could it possibly be? Um, we, don't, we don't have to do this I tell a joke, you laugh thing, but it works a lot better when we do. <laughs> So, uh, you know, that's, that's up to you. So if, if Destroying the Death Star got you more excited about baseball, give me a shout. All right, that was still half-hearted. I know you guys are just humoring me because I, I scolded you. Uh, so how about this? Let's compromise. I, I built a demo site about the mascots of minor league baseball. These are the clowns that root for the teams. Uh, there's 160 of them throughout the United States. These are all in small, tiny towns that you don't want to go to. If somebody invites you to one of these places, Say no, they're the f most of the flyovers. Anyway, this is a real thing. Uh, every year, all of these mascots get together and they have the mascot mania contest, which is the Olympic games of mascottery, where they have a competition like a t-shirt gun sharpshooting and pie throwing uh, contests. And so uh, this year, these are the, the finalists. My favorite uh, uh, of all the mascots, his name is Balapino. He's a half jalapeno, half baseball bat, and he roots for a team that plays about an hour south of where I live. Um, he, he's featured here on this site. But this site is basically just a standard kind of catalog uh, that's driven by a SQL server, running on ASP.NET MVC. None of the back end really matters to you. We're going to be agnostic there. Uh, but just so you know, all this is kind of data driven. Now, I have this site hosted up at mascots.azurewebsites.net. That's the production version. In Oslo at NDC, I actually did a, a one-hour presentation where I took this website and I did a bunch of performance optimizations to make it much faster. And the faster version is currently in staging, and so that's at mascots-staging.azurewebsites.net. And so what I want to do today is I want to use web page tests to test the new version and make sure it's actually faster before we, we push it to production and replace the old, old version. And so this is going to be the demo site that we use. Now, we were talking about web page test, and this is that, that ugly interface. Um, essentially, you come in here, you take some URL that you want to test, like let's say we're going to test the home page here. We paste it in, we hit start test, and that's it. Now, I mentioned that web page test is an open source tool. So you can download the source code, and you can run it on your own infrastructure if you'd like to. But there's a hosted service at webpagetest.org, which is what I'll use today. Because it's a hosted service, you'll see that I have, I have to wait in line. Uh, luckily for me right now, this test, I was waiting at the front of the queue. But if you guys all pull out your laptop and start hammering the service, this presentation might go a little slower because I'll have to wait in line behind your test. That's one of the trade-offs of, of using the free service. But of course, it's, it's free and easier to get up and running than running your own infrastructure. So that, that's the interface. We'll dive into that a little bit more in a second. So let's talk about how web page test actually works. So first of all, there's that interface that I just showed you. That's the first player in the game. The next thing is our website. That's my mascot website here. Now, in between those two is a bunch of different agents, is what web page test calls them. These are boxes of all different operating systems, so Windows, uh, Android, iOS, and then all the different various browsers, not all of them, but most of the browsers that you would potentially want to be running on those uh, platforms. And so when I just went and pasted that URL and hit start test in the web page test, it fired off a, uh, that test into a queue on one of these agents. So I was using a Chrome agent. And then that agent, when it's ready to process the work, goes to my website. My website responds. 
collects a bunch of data because these browsers have been instrumented in such a way. They send all that data back and we get a report to render on the screen. Uh, so that's uh, basically how it works. Now, these agents are sprinkled all over the world. Uh, actually, I, I took the time to painstakingly make this map uh, as accurate as possible. So there, there are two locations here uh, in Australia. And in fact, you'll, you'll notice the little airplane there. Uh, that's because Pat Meenan, the, the, the main maintainer of the project, he was on a Virgin America flight from New York City to San Francisco once. So while he was on that flight, he tweeted out, hey, there's a Virgin America agent right now. So for those four hours, you could test how users on that flight were loading your page and see the performance there, which I thought was, that was pretty funny. Um, so all of that to say that setting up an agent is not a ton of work, and there's a bunch of companies out there who are running agents. That's why there's such a good worldwide spread of these things. And basically, in exchange, they get uh, their name uh, plastered on the website, so they get some advertising uh, out of it. Uh, so there's a large partner network. Uh, this is the, the um, some pictures of the location of agents I like to use the most, office, uh, most often. This is in Dulles, Virginia, a guy running um, a data center. And so what you'll see here is he has 3D printed, that's the little uh, white holders for all of these uh, Android Motorola devices. And so if you wanted to run a test on Android, you could do that. You can see he has some um, iPhones and iPads and various uh, uh, orientations, whether it be landscape or portrait, and then a whole bunch of machines. And all these machines are just sitting there waiting to take and run your request and tell you how fast uh, your site is. All right, so let's take a look at the very basic usage. How do we get up and running and make a first test? Because anybody can throw a URL at this thing and find out if it's fast or not, but we should think about performance in a systematic way. And so there's four basic criteria you want to think about when you're doing a test uh, or putting together a test plan, and that's your URL, your location, your browser, and your test count. Now, if I go back to web page test, I'm going to go back to the home page here. Close down some tabs. Uh, you'll notice that I have three of the four that I'm talking about right there on the home page. URL number one. Location, I didn't mention before, here's all the different locations. This is where that map comes from. Here's the map. I can go and select any one of these locations that I'd like to. I'll stick with the default. And uh, browser. And then I had a fourth option, which was test runs, which is in advanced settings. I really think that this should be moved up into basic settings, but uh, we'll, we'll cover a little bit more about why and what it means. So anyway, we need to choose a value for each of these things before we can run a test. And we could just pick them really willy-nilly, but there's a better way. So uh, first of all, when we go to think about what URL we want to test, your website probably has more than one URL. Maybe you have thousands or millions of URLs. And so you, you're probably not going to test all of them. And you're probably not going to test one of them willy-nilly. And so it comes down to using some analytics. So in this case, this is a website that I run called uh, getglimpse.com. And so here's the analytics of the most popular pages straight out of my Google Analytics report. And so you can see the home page is number one. Uh, number two is docs. Number three is extensions. Uh, and so maybe I would just choose the top 10 pages, and those are going to be my tests. But the reality is, is because this site is also an MVC site, um, some of those code paths, or some of those URLs, are executing the same code path on the back end, right? So number two, docs. Number four, docs configuration. Number five, docs tabs. Six, seven, eight, and 11 are all actually executing the same code path, or the same template, if, if your language is doing that. And really, the second 
part of that slug where it says like configuration or tabs, that's just a, a parameter that's passed in uh, to tell the system where to get the content to render that documentation. So my point there is two, four, five, six, seven, eight, and 11, that's all really one URL. I don't need to worry about testing those separately because they're executing the same code path. Uh, and so I'll, I'll, just, I'll just pick one of these. Uh, so that's how we find a URL. So now I have you know, homepage, docs, extensions, and boom, I just lit up basically the top uh, most used uh, portions of my website. And you can see that's getting down to like 90% of the usage if we look at, at the page views, uh, well over 90%. Now the next thing that we want to consider is the location. Latency is the biggest killer of performance on the internet. So where your user is relative to where your servers is is a really big deal. This is why CDNs are being shoved uh, down our throats from all of the major cloud uh, pr providers. Now, uh, for Glimpse, it's actually the US is, is by far the number one uh, uh, country of access, and uh, the UK is number two. So if I'm running tests, I'm going to start thinking about those countries. Uh, perhaps. Perhaps we were trying really hard to push this website onto another country, like maybe uh, we really want it to be big in Germany, and even though there's not a lot of usage from Germany, I might consider putting that in my test uh, profile because it meets the business objectives, right? So think about where you are and where you want to be. Uh, next is browser. This is pretty easy, right? You're going to do the same thing. You're going to look at your analytics. You're going to see what the most popular browsers are. I could just pick the top three here. I think that that would be a bit of a mistake because the differences between Chrome, IE, and Firefox these days is so minute as far as uh, the way they render things and whatnot. Uh, what I want to kind of do is I want to look for different classes of browsers to see what's kind of popular. So Chrome, IE, Firefox, those are all big desktop browsers, okay, I want to definitely make sure I pick one of those. Uh, but what else I see in here is I see like Opera Mini, that's interesting because its rendering engine works differently. I see Android browser, that's interesting because it's on old phones. And so now I kind of have a couple classes of browsers I can cluster around and pick a couple of those. Now the last of the four basic inputs that I really want to focus on is the test count. And let me, uh, let me give you, take a moment to tell you what that means. Now, the example that I just ran before, when I, when I slammed a URL and I hit go on web page test, that was a test. There's one test. But inside of web page test is the concept of runs. And so the runs are how many times will it hit your URL? Now, the reason why web page test uses multiple runs is it's because it's actually making those connections across the internet, across the shark-infested internet. And so that means request number one and request number six could have completely different loading profiles just based on a thunderstorm happening over New York City or something like that. And so what we have to do with synthetic testing tools is do a lot of tests and then use the median. And that kind of gives us a margin of error, right? We're finding a load that we think will be a fairly consistent load. Um, and so uh, the service webpagetest.org will let you run up to nine tests at once. Uh, I recommend if you have the time to basically just always do nine. If you're trying to be a little fast for some reason, like I'm going to be today, use a smaller number, but try to use an odd number because you're finding medians. It's just easier to think about medians with an odd number. Uh, if you run web page tests on your own infrastructure, you can crank that number all the way up to 50. So one test has up to nine runs, but runs have multiple views. So the first view, Web page test will load the browser in question up, completely clear its cache, and request your page. So you're seeing what your page looks like on a first view with an unprimed cache. 
After that, if you've enabled the option to have a repeat view, it will re-request the exact same URL now with a primed cache so you can get an idea of how your users are experiencing your site for the first time and the last time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back over to my site. My most popular page by far, according to my analytics, is this page, the all mascots page. Let's list all of the mascots across all of the leagues on one page. So I'm going to copy that URL. We're going to paste it in. Uh, of course, this is about baseball, so only people in America care. So we're going to stick with Dulles, Virginia as a test location, a place in the United States. No surprise, Chrome, the most popular browser globally, is the most popular browser on my site, so we're going to stick there. And then the number of tests to run, I'm going to change that to nine, and I want to do first view and repeat views. So I've just filled in the four basic principles just using some simple Google Analytics. I'm going to hit start test. Now, we just covered, I'm doing nine runs, two views, this is 18 requests. This is going to take a little while. Uh, and so, since I don't want you guys to have to hit, sit there and wait, I, I, I like, like Mario Batali style on Food Network, I've like pre-baked a turkey that we can all like see, right? We don't have to wait for that. So I'm gonna just close this tab now that's running the test. Now we're gonna come to my pre-run test. Now this test was run against mascots to Azure websites, the, the slow production version of the site. And so let's kind of look at what the results of a test look like. So the first thing you'll notice is I have some rule-based metrics at the top. Um, it kind of looks like my report card in middle school. I have a lot of Fs. I have some work that I need to do to get better. I can click on any one of these, and it will tell me information about why I received that grade and how to improve that score. Uh, the next thing I'll point out is this center section here where I have a bunch of quantitative metrics information about those, that page load, so when it was visually complete, when it started to render, um, when the DOM content loaded event fired, et cetera, et cetera. And then below that, we see a waterfall. Now, if, if you've used any of your dev tools in your browser, you know what a waterfall is. This is really no different, but I think what web page test does even better, because these browsers are specially instrumented to do it, is you can scroll all the way down to the bottom of the network diagram, and you can see the CPU utilization of that box rendered over the top of the network diagram. So you can see my CPU between one second and two and a half seconds was completely spiked, and I can scroll up and kind of see what was happening on the network when that came in, and it looks like I had a bunch of JPEGs that came in, big JPEGs, that, uh, so I was probably doing some JPEG decoding, and that used up a lot of CPU time. I can also see the bandwidth utilization, so I can see what was happening on the NIC. I like this connection view a lot. Uh, if you're into like HTTP2 and or domain sharding, what these little purple zebra stripes are showing you is each little alternation between light and dark is another file being downloaded. And so I did this test on Chrome, which will open up six connections to the same host. So that's why we see one through six, mascots.azurewebsite.net. Those are my six TCP connections. And I'm downloading all of those files. So all of this back half that's in purple here if I sharded my domain and I had like images and I put some of the images over there, or I was using HTTP2, I might be able to reshape that traffic and literally cut off from like second 5.5 to 7.5 and just like shift the whole thing down and over and cut two seconds off of my loading time. And so this is a really powerful kind of visualization. Uh, there's other things you can do, like I told you, this performance review, which tells you about each one of your grades and why you got that grade and things you could do better. So let me, sorry, scroll to the top here. We'll say, uh, you know, I got an F on compressed transfers, and if I click on it, it tells me that I have a, a lot of files that I could be uh, compressing, and it tells me which ones I should look into and 
for most uh, web servers, that's literally a configuration bit that you can flip and, and that will happen uh, automatically. So this was all the, um, the results for my unoptimized version of my page. I ran the exact same test against the staging, the optimized version, and you can see, hey, look, my report card got a lot better. It looks like you know, Nick in high school, um, and I have all the same information available to me. But what I really want to do is I'm trying to compare, did my performance get better uh, across the, the, the differences that I changed? So if I come in here to test history, I can see a list of all of the tests that I've run for up to a year. And I can select up to nine of them. I'll select two. And when I hit the compare button, I get this screen that's comparing those two different test runs. Just to do a little tidying up of tabs. So this is one of those amazing, powerful visualizations that web page test gives you that no other tool does, like the one I showed you that Etsy is doing. So on the top, we see a film strip view of the actual loading of the unoptimized version of the site compared to the staging version, the optimized on the bottom. And so you can see, at half a second in, I'm already starting to get something rendering on the optimized version. At two seconds in, I'm complete. But on the unoptimized version, I'm still a white blank page. It's horrible. And then a whole second later, it finishes rendering. Now that's cool, just the visualization. Right? You can show this to any non-technical stakeholder, and it clearly makes sense. We obviously made a huge performance impact here. We can also see the network uh, waterfall chart overlaid on top of each other. So here's the optimized version. I can slide the slider and change the alpha transparency. Here's the unoptimized version. It's very clear to see that all of these numbers got pulled in closer to me. I'm doing better uh, response time from my server. My, my assets are also uh, shorter bars. Uh, but what I think is really slick is you might notice that there's a red bar right here, right on the edge of the screen. So as I scrub my film strip, you see the red bar moving on the network diagram? That is correlating what's happening on the rendering thread to what's happening on the networking thread. So all of a sudden, when I started seeing something show up, I can see what started to download or what finished downloading. So it looks like right here, when I finished downloading my CSS, I finally got something rendering. And so you can see which asset is really blocking your rendering from happening. And this is all about the critical rendering path, if you've ever heard that term. Uh, you, can, you can see it very visual. Uh, at the bottom, when you do a comparison of the page, it shows you all of the different metrics that you might care about, and it generates this bar chart for you. So you can compare and contrast them. Uh, and so you can see like my speed index, which is a metric that I talk about in some, some other material that I can give you a link to, uh, was vastly improved. You can also see my last visual change, vastly improved, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, my favorite feature, though, of this comparison is once you've set up the comparison, you hit this Create Video button. And this is what Etsy has basically done. And so the video looks like this. So now I can literally see video playback of how these two things rendered, which is amazing. And, and you can access these uh, and download them and do whatever you want to with them. Um, now, there's other things that you might want to consider when you're running a test, right? I, I covered the big four. Maybe like the fifth one, if I was going to add a fifth one, is the connection speed. And so web page test will do tra uh, uh, traffic shaping for you, so you can fake a slower connection. It, it's, it's still not sharks and water real, but you, know, you can maybe get a little bit more interesting. Uh, and so that's fine. You can do that. One of the things that I think is really cool you can do on the network is there's the SPOF tab. Now, SPOF stands for single point of failure. And, and I, I imagine that all of you in the room know what a SPOF is, right? Like, 
Typically, we think of it on the back end, right? Like my database is a single point of failure, and if that goes down, we're hosed, right? Everything is down. But we have single points of failure on the front end as well. Every time you add another script or another widget or another thing from another host onto your page, that's potentially a point of failure. What happens if that provider goes down? So let me give you an example. So um, some of the mascots in the minor league baseball system are like 21st century mascots, like my boy Balopino. Balopino not only roots for the San Antonio missions on the field, but he roots for them on Twitter. And so his Twitter account is here, and I render it on the page, and I can show you all of his very important, interesting tweets, like the walk-off Grand Slam they had the other night. Now, that widget is there rendered just because I went to the Twitter website and I, I grabbed some JavaScript file that they gave me and I slammed it on the page. It's a one-liner, super simple uh, for me to do. Now, that widget is being served by Twitter at a, at, um, a host name of platform.twitter.com. So because I'm on this highly instrumented browser, when I'm trying to render that page and web page test, not only can I shape the traffic and slow down the connection speed, but I can just make it look like parts of the internet have disappeared. So when I put in this platform.twitter.com URL in that box and rerun the test, which I've already rerun to, to save time, we can see on the top what the page looks like when Twitter is up, which is a pretty good experience. Two and a half seconds in, the whole page is rendered. Uh, you can see on the bottom, though, two and a half seconds in, that widget is blocking the rest of the page from rendering. So that big picture, that hero image of Balopino, isn't showing up. And so, okay, so uh, how long? Uh, two and a half seconds in, no change. Five seconds in, no change. 10 seconds in, no change. 15 seconds in, no change. 20 seconds in, no change. 22, and a half, 22 seconds in, the browser says, screw it and gives up. This is really, really hard to test. I called Twitter and said, hey, can you have a quick like 30 minute outage? I want to see how my, my page responds when you're not up. Yeah, they, they did not take too kindly to that. But this is the kind of thing that you can do and really like be mindful of what third party scripts you're taking on. Okay, so that's the basics covered and, and a little bonus basic in there. Uh, let's start talking about some advanced usage. There's four advanced scenarios that I want to run through with you. And so those are custom metrics. We, we saw some of the metrics. I talked about speed index and, and load time and things like that. What if you have your own metric? We'll look into that. Uh, scripting web page tests. So you can do more than just loading a page. Maybe you have some JavaScript interactivity that you need to, to mess around with. We're going to talk a little bit about security concerns, particularly if you're working at, at an enterprise. Uh, and then we're going to look at exercising the API. Uh, so the first uh, advanced scenario is custom metrics. So by default, web page test gathers a bunch of information and shows it to you. But it's the, web, it's the information that they think is important. But you know your application better than they do. And so there's some data in your app that you might care about. Like uh, maybe you want to know how much of local storage you've used up for that test, right? And you want that to be reported. You want that to be a metric. Maybe you want to know some information about the cookie or the user that you've set up or you're using geolocation and you want to see you're using the geolocation API to find out where that user is. Any piece of JavaScript that you can execute to find out information about the context of the browser, what is the screen resolution, what is its width, what is its color depth, all of those things that you can access via JavaScript, you can expose back to web page tests and say, hey, I want you to hold on to this. I want you to save this custom metric. And so all you have to do is you write a little bit of JavaScript, 
Uh, let's ignore the first line right now that's in square brackets. Uh, and so what this JavaScript is doing is it is, uh, this is just vanilla JS, but you could be using jQuery if jQuery is available on your page or whatever uh, DOM library you want to, is it's iterating through all of the child nodes of the body tag, and it's looking for one with a node type of eight. All right, quiz time. Does anybody know what DOM node type eight is? Oh man, I guess I just have to keep the $100 prize ahead. Um, node type eight is a comment, an HTML comment. You can actually access those in the DOM. Uh, then we're gonna parse that comment with JSON, and that's gonna give us a result, and we'll return that result. Let me, let me show you a little bit more about what's happening here and why the, this code exists. So on my site, this is an MVC site, um, I basically start and stop a timer every time the page is requested. So you'll see at the beginning of execution, I start a timer and I stick it into a temporary place called action timer. And at the end of that execution, I get the number of elapsed milliseconds and I stuff it into action time. Then when I go to render out the view, I check to see if I have that variable of action time. And if I do, I render it out into this little piece of JSON inside of an HTML comment. So let me, uh, let me show you what this looks like. I'm gonna view source on this page. You see this comment right here? That's my special thing that I'm doing to render. So I'm building a custom metric that measures how long it takes for my server-side code to execute, injects it into the page in a clever hidden way, and then I use a web page test custom metric right here to find that JSON, or find that comment, parse the JSON out of it, and return the action execution time. Now the square brackets at the top, that's not standard JavaScript. That is the way that you name a metric in web page tests. So I would take this script right here, copy it, and paste it into the custom metric tab. And when I run my test, that script will, will, will run and execute. So if I do that, we will see First and foremost, there's my action execution time. When I ran it, it took 90 milliseconds. That's whatever that thing means to me. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is if I go and I plot the full results, right? I ran, it, I ran the test nine times, and so I can come in here and plot the full results, and this will give me a, 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 a scatter plot of all of the metrics. So let me scroll all the way down to the bottom. My custom metrics show up at the bottom. So here's my custom metrics, my action execution time, and you can see, here's the nine different runs. So the first one took 90 milliseconds, the next one was 22. I had an outlier that was really fast of eight and another outlier of 182. So the median metric ended up being 90. And so you can see kind of how much variability that we had there. Uh, and so that's a custom metric. You can do some really powerful things with it. I actually like to, you saw in my, in my comment maybe, I had a, another JSON token called DB, and I add up how much time I take querying the database, and I stick that in as a custom metric. But, Imagination can run wild. You guys can do whatever you, you want to uh, with those. So next, let's go into some automated scripting. There, every example that I've shown you is just slam a URL, it loads the URL, and it's done. But like I mentioned, you might want to do some page interactivity. Uh, I have a, a very simple scenario just to highlight the concept of page interactivity on my website. And so that is here. We can do a search. So like, if I do a search for mascots with the name 
uh, dog in their name. I got a hot dog horse, a slugger the sea dog, a crazy hot dog vendor, and a Charlie T. River dog. I don't get any like no normal dogs, but I get dogs. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this kind of ugly scripting language that they have to automate the page test. So let me walk you through this line by line. Now, in the public service, you can only load, oh, I'm sorry, you can only store and present data back for one page load. And so I'm going to do a multiple page load scenario here, right? I'm going to just do the same search that I just showed you. And so the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say log data. That's the name of the command. And like most languages, you would pass parameters to the command inside of like uh, parentheses or something like that, right? Not here. Instead, you say the name of the command or the method, log data, and then you tab and you pass in the first parameter. And so this is zero, false. I do not want to log data. And then the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to navigate, tab, the parameter is, and I'm going to navigate to the home page. Great. Now the home page loads. When it finishes loading, I can do the next thing. I'm going to set the value. The first parameter is a DOM element who has a name attribute set to Q. That's my search box. That search box, that input box has a name of Q. And then the next parameter is what do I want to type into that box? In this case, it's a BO, not dog. I'm doing a search for bow. Now I'm going to say, OK, basically everything is configured the way I want it to. And now I'm going to start saving the data. So log data one. And then I'm going to submit the form who has a name attribute set to search. So if I copied this, this script, I can uh, paste it into web page test on the script panel. And when the test result runs, first of all, you'll know that you are running a script because this little yellow script label will show up. And it will show you the script that ran. So clearly, here's the script that I just walked you through. And uh, in this example, I'm going to go ahead and see the film strip view. I think this is the best way to show this off. The first thing I want to point out is every other test that I ran, the very first frame was always a white blank page. Not in this case, because we had already loaded the home page before we start, started recording. And it's, it's a little off the screen at the bottom here, because I have my search bar at the bottom. But I've typed in bow, then I hit submit. And so now we can see rendering the search results. And here's the different search results coming up for bow, uh, including a a mascot whose name is Hambone, and he's literally a piece of ham. OK, pig-based jokes are the way to go in Australia. All right, good to know that. Uh, so that is uh, scripting. You can do some really powerful stuff with scripting, including like hit a button, load an Ajax, right? spa type stuff you would do with scripting. All right, next let's talk about security. Now, web page test is really cool. Let's take a, review, let's take a moment to review how it works. So we know that there's web page test, and we know that there's our website. And through an agent, web page test requests something from our website, and our website returns a result. That's awesome if web page test can hit our website. But what if our website is internal, or like to, to your company's corporate environment? Or what if it's just running on local host? And web page test obviously can't hit localhost. Uh, so this is a problem, right? So these scenarios, we have some kind of a firewall or networking issue. And so you, you, you might throw in localhost, or you'll throw in your corporate environment's URL, and the firewall just throws those requests out. And web page test never actually makes it to your website. So to get around this, we can use a tunneling service. I particularly like one called ngrok, but there's others out there. What this will do is once we enable ngrok, we're going to set up an, an HTTP tunnel over port 80 
to go around your firewall to your website, back through NGROC, and to web page test. Now, the first question you should be thinking is, okay, that's cool. I like the hacker mentality here of getting around the firewall, but isn't this going to be really slow? You're introducing a whole extra hop uh, through this service. Yeah, it's slower. It, it would be much better if you could hit directly. But does it really matter that we're running our tests a little slower? Right? If we thought, think about those two techniques, we're using RUM to tell us, is our page fast? Yes or no. We already know we have a slow page. That's, now we're going to synthetic testing to figure out how do we make the page faster. So yeah, all of our results will look like they're slower, but who cares? We already validated that it's slow. Now we're validating what the problem is. Uh, and so I think NGROC is still a very good solution. And so you can go to ngroc.com uh, and, and download it. It works on every operating system. It's Go-based. It's super lightweight and quick. Um, it's a little command line uh, tool. And so uh, I'm going to use it here on a local website that I have running. So I'm running the mascots website off of my local host. You can see this on port 5485. Now, you haven't seen this yellow bar at the top of the site before. I have this little feature on the website. Let me show you the code for this feature. That says if the request is coming from the local loopback address, then render out this yellow div, right? the local dev site. Let me go ahead and prove that this is working. I'm going to say NDC, save that, refresh. And now it should say NDC local dev site. OK. So I want to test that change, that NDC. Obviously, this URL is not going to work. So I'm going to open up uh, my, my console here, and I'm going to say ngrok. I want to tunnel HTTP traffic to port 54. 85. Right, that's the port that I'm running off of IIS Express on my local box. Now, I'm going to do something that's going to fail, but I, this is a very common failure, so I want you guys to see it. So I'm going to run that. It goes out to the NGROC service. It creates a public URL that points to my local host. If any of you guys pulled out your phone right now and you went to this ugly URL, you can pay them money to get pretty URLs, but I don't really care. Uh, you get this ugly URL, and you can drop it into your device, and my machine would serve the request. Oh, crap. No, OK, I, I knew this was going to happen. I remember I told you there's going to be a problem. This is a problem that shows up all the time. That's because most of the web servers that you might use on your local machine, like IIS Express or Cassini, are explicitly configured to only serve traffic from local host. And IIS Express says, hey, wait a minute, this NGROC thing, that ain't local host. I'm not serving. And so you could actually go into your IIS config and make some changes to fix this problem. But then you have to run IIS as an admin, which means you have to run Visual Studio as an admin, which I think is a real big pain in the butt. Instead, um, what I recommend, and the reason I wanted to show you this, is just run ngrok the exact same way, but pass in this host header parameter and set it equal to localhost. And what the ngrok tunneling service will do now is any request that comes through, it will rewrite the host header to be localhost, tricking IIS into thinking that you're serving something local. So I've just rerun it again with that flag passed in. It gives me a new URL. I can copy it. Oh, sorry, I, hit, I didn't need to hit Control-C. Let me run this again. I will get another new URL. Copy it, paste it. And now, through the internet, I'm serving that traffic. So what does that mean? Now I have a URL that I can pass over to web page test. I'm going to try to make this as fast as possible. So we're going to do one run, first view only. 
None of these custom things. I'm going to hit start test. Hopefully, there's not a long queue right now. Good, I'm at the front of the queue. Web page test to ngrok, to my website, back to ngrok, back to web page test, gather up all the results, send it to me here in front of you. Man, if the timing for that worked out, it would have been a lot better. Oh, just off. Uh, and so you can see, here's the screenshot that web page test gives me. Clearly, I'm loading my local NDC dev site. So now I'm testing against my local machine. I haven't even deployed it yet. Uh, and so that is one of those advanced scenarios uh, that I wanted to cover it with you around security. All right, the last ones that we'll, that we'll cover is the API. Web page test has an API that's freely available to you, for you to use on the public service. Um, I'm gonna show you a couple of different tools to interact with this API, um, but there's, you could obviously be doing this programmatically. I'm just doing it in a visual way. So let's do some cleanup here of some tabs. Uh, so the, the service that I'm using here is called Hurlit. All this is is a simple little uh, website that lets me create and issue HTTP requests. I could be doing this in curl. I could be doing this in Postman. I could be doing this in Fiddler. I just find this one to be very easy. So the first thing I want to do is I want to say that I'm going to do a, I can do either a post or a get to the API endpoint of web page test. Uh, if you'll allow me to, I'm going to do some copying and pasting from this little uh, tool that I made to help me run my presentation. So I got the API endpoint. This is where I submit tests to the API. It's webpagetest.org slash runtestphp. I'm going to add some parameters. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to say what format I want the results to be returned in. The default is XML. Did I mention they started building this in 2005? Uh, so I basically always say F is JSON. I'm going to add another one, which is K. That's my API key. You can't use this API unless you get an API key. But if you head over to webpagedesk.org slash getkey.php, you give him your email address, and he'll give you a key that's good for 200 requests a day, which isn't going to do everything for you, but it's enough to test and make sure this will work for you before setting web page tests up on your own infrastructure. And then lastly, the last uh, parameter I care about, and there's a lot of them, it's all documented, is going to be URL. And this is the URL that I actually want to hit in my test. And so in this case, I'm going to hit uh, my home page. I'm going to tell Hurlit that I'm not a robot. Uh, it believes me, good thing. I'm going to launch that request. I see my JSON comes back. What's really interesting here is the JSON URL. This is the JSON representation of my result set. So I'm going to open that up in a browser. You'll notice here that I have a status code of 100. That means the test is pending. It's still running. You can see that the test started 10 seconds ago. If I refresh, 19 seconds ago. So I'm, I'm not in the queue, but it's running. So we're going to leave this tab here. We're going to come back to it for a second, because I have some other things with the API I want to show you. Uh, I'm just showing you the raw API so you get an understanding for the way that it works. What you're probably actually going to want to do with the API is something very useful. So in this case, I'm using Grunt, and it, you could use Gulp, or you could use Broccoli if you're crazy, or you could use whatever it is that you want to use. Um, I'm using uh, Grunt, and I'm using a plugin for Grunt called PerfBudget, which is basically a wrapper around the web page test API that allows you to make assertions about what you want the performance of your page to be. So in this case, I've set the URL uh, equal to my home page. I've, I've put my API key in an environment variable, and I've said that I want 
the speed index to be 1,000 milliseconds or lower. I want the number of bytes in, the total number of bytes for the page to be under a meg. And I want to render something to the screen in under 1,000 milliseconds. These are, these are just arbitrary numbers that I picked. But any metric or data point that web page test gives you back, you can set up an assertion around. Now, what do you do with that grunt task? So I'm going to run it here. And this is going to take a little while, too, because it's actually going to hit the live site. What you do with that task is you run it in your CI environment. That way, if you make a performance regression, web page test will hit your page and tell you you got slower, or you didn't hit whatever your assertions are, and you can break the build. So you'll notice this will take a little second to run, and I'll, I'll either pass or fail. Look at that. I failed. I actually would have broke the build here. My speed index is seven milliseconds over, and my render, uh, that's the only one that broke it, is my speed index. So I got to hit that a little bit better. Uh, so that's that example. We'll switch back over to the one in the browser. Let's see, the test was 19 seconds ago. If I refresh, great, here's all the data. Chrome just caught up and rendered that in a nice way. So you can see here we have an array of runs. These are all the different runs that ran, obviously. Uh, I only ran one uh, in, in my test, but if, if you had multiples, it would be two, three, four, five. And you can see my views, my first view, and my repeat view. And you can go through and find all of the different data points, time to first byte, bytes out, uh, bytes in, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and there's all of the information that you're seeing in the UI, you have programmatic access to. Uh, so that's kind of a cool use of the API. I wanted to show you one last thing. I wanted to show you something that somebody built on the API. And so if you go over here to Andy Davies, Andy Davies is a, is a performance engineer who lives in the UK. Uh, he has this thing called the web page test bulk tester. Uh, what we're going to do with that is uh, we'll just follow the steps here. I don't need the code. Uh, the first thing that he tells me to do is open up this Google spreadsheet. Uh, that's the interface that he used for this bulk tester. And I'm going to ask for, uh, you can just follow the directions here on the Google spreadsheet. It kind of tells you exactly what you need to do. The first thing that it tells me to do is make a copy of the spreadsheet. This is a read-only version of it. So I'm going to say file, make a copy, and let's call this NDC SID demo. Okay, great. So I can close down his copy. Google Docs is opening up my copy. And so there's a few more uh, bits of configuration I need to do. Uh, basically, you follow the tabs that are along the bottom there in reverse order, which I think they could fix, but uh, it's reverse order. So the first thing we're going to do is go to settings, and the big red ones we need, to, we need to set up. So what is the URL? Where is our instance of web page test running? If you had your own infrastructure, you would put in your own URL. We're using the public instance, so I'm going to paste that in there. What is my API key? I'm going to have that right here, so I'll paste it in. There's other parameters that I could set up, but I think that's enough uh, to get the test up and running. Then they have this concept of scenarios. Now, this is, this is really cool. You can define a named set of input values into web page test. And so um, by default, they let you set up the location, the number of runs, whether or not to capture video, and whether or not you should do a first view only or a first and repeat view. You can map additional columns to any single checkbox in the web page test UI. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and I'll make a custom one. Let's call this, uh, I'll just override this, NDC SID. Uh, that's good. What location, which agent do I want to use for my test? Well, if I go over to slash getlocations.php off of web page test, this is a really ugly dashboard that shows all of the different agents and how busy or free they are. Let's see if we can find a free one to, to uh, make this go a little bit faster here. Um, so my favorite, Dulles Chrome, that's pretty busy right now. 
Uh, what else has a lot of agents available? Oh, 20s, all these are all like single instances. That's not great right now. All right, we're gonna stick with, with uh, oh, you know why? Look, this one is aired out. Okay, well, let's just stick with Dulles Chrome. So I copied the name of that location. I pasted in here what location I wanna use. Oh, I did not copy properly. And then I can continue to set up more parameters. And then I, lastly, I go to my tests. Now I can put in as many URLs as I want to here. This is, a, this is called the bulk tester. This is a good way to do, execute lots of web page tests runs at once. Uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna copy the URLs for the league that plays in each of the states that I've lived in. So I grew up in Florida, so the Florida State League is there. I spent eight years in New York City, and I recently moved to Texas. So I have those three leagues. I'm gonna paste those three URLs in. And I'm gonna change the scenario to use the scenario that I just created, this NDC Sydney scenario. And I hit the web page test dropdown that shows up and run test. So the, uh, yes, I will authorize this to run. Allow, thank you Google for taking care of me. And so you see in the little status submitting tests, there's our status of 100 again. What did 100 mean earlier? Pending. Pending, the test is running. I see this web page test ID in column C. This is the URL. If I wanted to go and view the results directly in the browser, I could go and do that. Now what's happening is it just used the API to submit all those tests with all those parameters that I had set up. And it sits there and pulls the API until I get all of the results back. So if this thing runs fast enough, those 100s should change to 200s by the time I'm done talking. Now, I show you this because this is the number one tool that I use when I have to do a performance audit. I have companies hire me and come in and do performance audits. I typically do two different things. I look at their URLs, I get the, the most important ones, we put together a profile using the basic stuff that I said, and I slam them all in here and I run them. I'll answer a question in a second. Oh, you were telling me I have five minutes left. Hi, good to see you too. Um, and so that gives me a great way to really quickly see um, an overview. And the nice thing is, because this is all basically Excel data, there we go, we're getting results back. Because it's all Excel data, I can just highlight a couple of columns and say, boom, give me a bar chart. And I can compare and contrast and make uh, infographics really easily. The other thing that I find this really interesting for is I've had a couple of uh, customers, like I have a customer who is a big ebook seller, and so they have a lot of competition in the book selling space. And so we have defined the same pages across all of their competitors. So what does an item details page look like? What does a search results page look like? What does a checkout page look like? And we got all of those URLs for all of their competitors and did a competitive analysis in about 15 seconds using this tool to see what all their competitors look like. Kind of figured out where the baseline is and then we set a threshold and said, we're gonna be 20% better than that. Uh, just from the psychology of speed, 20% is where users will switch to your service if, all else, if everything else is equal. 20% faster, they, they, will, they will clearly notice and will choose you. Uh, and so boom, here you can see. So this one is still at 100. Sometimes things get munged up and you just go and you say get results and it will push, no, this one still must be running. If I want to, I can go to that URL, that page, and we can say, yeah, it is still running. We've done one of the three different runs, uh, but as soon as this thing finishes, then that's, that uh, sheet will catch up to me. So there you go. With the API, I showed you really quickly how to interact with it in a very simple way. I showed you a grunt plugin so you can 
quickly tie it into your CI server, and I showed you a really cool application of the API with uh, the bulk web page test tester. So, uh, I have a bunch of information available for you here. I have links to the documentation on the scripting language. I have links to the API parameters. I have uh, information about how to run custom metrics. I also have a Pluralsight course, which is about two to three times longer than this, where I go through all of the same stuff and more, but more slowly. And uh, one of the key things that I do there that I didn't cover here is how to very easily get web page tests up and running on uh, Amazon Web Services. And the cool thing with Amazon Web Services is you can hit one button and have agents running in all of the geolocations that they support. Uh, so if you want that information, go to bit.ly uh, slash faster with web page test or take a picture of that QR code. Um, I have time for questions now, a couple of minutes, and then I'm running down to the second floor to do an ask me anything with SSW. And he's right there saying hi. And so if you want to come and have a longer conversation about your performance situation, I'm happy to chat there, or you can hit me up on Twitter. And thank you very much for coming. You were awesome. I was great, better. Give me green. Go questions. Uh, for a, a large corporation uh, working with an intranet, um, if you don't want to do your bypassing via the tunnel, and you want to set up your own agent, what's involved? So what's the, the question is, what's involved with setting up your own infrastructure? Are you amenable to using cloud or no? Yeah, if you're, if you're amenable to using cloud, then uh, on AWS, they have um, AMIs already set up. And so you can just search the documentation to find that AMI and say, I want to set this up. You'll basically need to set up two different kinds of servers. One that runs the web page test um, website or API. And then, and so you probably want to make that like a medium-sized instance. And then you want to set up, or I'm sorry, a micro-sized instance. And then you want to set up the other AMIs, the other images, uh, in whatever locations you care about that will actually run the agents. And so that's, that will get you desktop browsers basically in 15 minutes. It's, that's pretty simple. Um, web page tests will automatically spin up the agents when you need to spin them up, and it will tear them down when they're not being used to save on your bandwidth, which is, uh, or, or your, your, your bill, which is great. Um, if you want to physically plug in devices like this, like I showed you in that picture, then you're going to need to have physical access to the hardware. That gets a little bit more complicated. The agents run on Windows, so you have to have a Windows server, or, or I think it might even run on Windows desktop, to be honest with you. And the, the, the website itself can run on Linux or Windows. It's PHP, MySQL. And I, I cover all of that. Uh, you can find all that information on, on the GitHub page or in my Pluralsight course. Guys, thank you so, so much for coming out. I appreciate it. Have a good day.